All right, well, let's jump in here. We're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I originally, and honestly, I don't know why we're in Galatians chapter 6. I, I kind of thought that we might just work our way through a book. And uh, as I was reading and studying, this passage jumped out at me, and I guess that's why we're here. Instead of going through a particular book, God just brought me to these verses. And uh, so we're going to take a look at them this evening. And I told you this morning, we're going to do it in a little different way, something that I've never done before. We'll find out if it was a good idea when we get finished or not. But uh, what I want us to do, we'll read the passage as a whole, so pay careful attention to the, the reading of the passage. But then we're going to go back and we're going to go verse by verse. You'll see questions listed there. Some of those pertain to verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, and verse 4. There aren't questions that pertain to verse 5. Um, but we'll, what we'll do is we'll take a moment and I'll read those questions simply for the people on the internet. I know that you've got those in hand and you don't need me to read them to you. But because of people watching live, they won't have these questions. So I'll read them out. And then I'll give you a couple of minutes just to answer them for yourself. I'm not going to, to take up your sheets or grade them or anything. This is just for your personal benefit. And then we'll go back and we'll walk through those questions as well as we'll expand on the verse in other ways as well. Uh, just I, th I think... The, the forethought you'll get in, in writing the answers down, writing your thoughts down, will benefit us then as we communicate together and we build thoughts around these verses. So let's, uh, let's look at the passage as a whole. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Paul, writing to the church of Galatia, says, Brothers, if anyone is called in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. That's something, that particular part of that verse has been complicated for me to understand through the years. I think I have an understanding of it after studying it out a little bit. But uh, it, it, just the way it's worded, it seemed to go against what the Word of God had to say. It doesn't, now that I understand it better. But it seemed to, all those years, trying to figure it out in my mind. Let me read verse 4 again. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor for each will have, have to bear his own load. Okay, so let's look at verse 1. Let me read verse 1, and then I'll call out the questions to you. You can jot your answer down, and then we'll go back and work through verse 1 together, okay? So verse 1 again, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Okay, so the question number 1. I don't uh, think your questions are answered Oh, they are listed by verse, which that's going to help. Okay, so question number one under verse number one is what would be an example of a transgression? He says, if anyone is caught in any transgression. So what is an example of a transgression? What's he talking about here in the Bible as being a transgression? Jot an answer down, a thought down. And be specific. If you're going to say this is an example, be specific as to what 
you're referring to. I don't mean, well, I saw Johnny do this last week. That's a transcript. Uh, just generalize the particular thing without naming names. Say it again. Okay, okay, so here's an example of what you might write down. Pride is definitely on that list. Uh, it, it may not be one of the first things you would think about, but pride is definitely going to be on that list. Okay, so now you jot down some answers, and then we'll discuss it in just a minute. Okay, now he then gives a responsibility to those who are spiritual. He says, going on in the verse, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of meekness or gentleness. You who are spiritual. Okay, so then the qu second question comes in, what would qualify one as being spiritual? If he's saying those who are spiritual should do this, then what would qualify a person as being that? To where they can say, okay, well, I fit into this category, therefore, I have a responsibility. Okay, jot down an answer to that. We'll talk about it in a second. Just so you can see how devious my mind is. Every now and then I'm tempted with the person who's working the camera just to move around on purpose and see if they can keep up. <laughs> you better be good to me, David. Uh, okay, question number three then. So those who are spiritual have a responsibility. He says they should restore the person who's been caught in a transgression. What does he mean by restore? Question number three. What does he mean to restore that person? What's involved in this restoration? And restored to what? You can take this to any extreme you want to. And I know some of you are still writing when I start into the next question. And I apologize for cutting you short. But uh, 
Uh, let's look at the fourth question under verse number one. He says that the ones who are spiritual have a responsibility to restore, <clears throat> but they're to do it in a very specific way. He says you're to restore them in the spirit of gentleness. So then question number four is, why is the word gentleness important in this verse? Why is the word gentleness important in this verse? Verse number one of Galatians 6. This is actually a very good way to study the Bible. Just to ask yourself questions about the verse. Now you've got words that, that maybe we understand in our culture, but what does it mean? What did it mean in Jesus' day? Or what did it mean in Paul's day? So to go back and then look at it and find the answers to the questions that we ask. Really a good way for us to dig deeper into God's Word. So now let's back up. And then let's work through these particular verses. And, and in the process, let's add some more in, some more thoughts in, more questions in, just to bring us to a better understanding of what he's talking about. So verse number one, he said, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit or in the spirit of gentleness. So what would be an example of transgressions? Raymond started the process by saying an example would be pride. Someone that is so prideful that uh, they, they basically are excluding the Word of God because they're all in all. They're their own God. That's someone who really has an issue. Okay, So what else could we say here would fit into the category of any transgression? Okay, cheating. Um, oh my. Okay, so here's confession time. When uh, back in the day, I loved to play rook, and uh, we would go to tournaments and play. I had a partner, and we played. And when you played with these guys, they were older guys, uh, older than I am now, even. But uh, back then, I was still in my twenties and thirties. And so we'd go and play with people who were in their 60s and 70s, and they'd been playing together for years and years and years. And they knew each other so well, and one of the ways they knew each other so well is they had their own signs. We didn't know that the first few tournaments, and we just got beat like drums. I mean, we weren't even competition, but they had their own signs. Once we figured out that was what it took, we developed our own system our own signs and our own ways of letting each other know what we had, where we wanted to go, and what we wanted to do. And then all of a sudden we were competitive. But as I got closer and closer to God, I was convicted about that. I know, you say, it's just a game. Okay, it's just a game. But God convicted me over that. And even to this day, I find it very difficult to even cheat at checkers. Or tic-tac-toe. It's very hard for me to do. God has convicted me about that. 
I think that's something that sometimes we overlook because socially it can be acceptable. Oh, it's okay. Everybody does it. And so it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay to break uh, God's directive over our lives to cheat someone. And uh, you can take that for what it's worth. But I agree with you. I think cheating is, is very clearly one of those things that, that someone would be caught in an act of transgression. So, okay, what else can we throw out? I'm going to try not to talk so much from now on. What else can we throw into this mix? Say it. Stealing. Stealing. Absolutely. Stealing. Brother Turn, did you have your hand up? Wasn't you? <laughs> oh, it wasn't you. Anger is definitely one. Sorry, I, I made you say it. You, you weren't raising your hand. Linda, sorry. Okay, worshiping anything other than God. Putting anything before God. Okay, anything else you want to throw into this? Okay, gossiping. Coveting, judgmental. being judgmental, it's a biggie, um, hearing some, lying, absolutely, lying. Okay, we could take the commandments, we could throw them into the mix, we could take things that uh, uh, adultery, fornication, all these things, we could throw them into the mix and we could say that someone that is engaged in this is engaged in a transgression. They are transgressing the law. They are breaking the law of God. Okay, The word transgressing means that, that they have, they have broken God's law. Okay, now, the second question then, he said someone that's been taken in that, let me add in a question before we get to the second one on your sheet. He says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, I think we understand the concept here, but just so we voice it so we're all on the same page, what does it mean to be caught in a transgression? Okay, someone has seen it happen. If, uh, if, if I have been gossiping about someone, I've been talking about them behind their back, and Paul heard me say it, then all of a sudden... If Paul fits into this category of spiritual, then he has a responsibility to reach out to me. Okay, now we're going to get into that in just a second. But it's someone that's been caught in an act, whether that be adultery or lying or cheating or, or judgmentalness or whatever. They've been caught in this act of breaking, transgressing God's law, and therefore there's a problem in their life situation here that needs to be dealt with, that needs to be approached by one who is spiritual. One's been caught in an act of transgression. The one who is spiritual should reach out for restoration. Okay, the one who is spiritual. What qualifies someone as being spiritual? Okay, there's a maturity about them. Let's take this even further. What brings about that maturity? Okay, a knowledge of God's Word. Okay, and here's the key in this whole thing. All of these others are aspects that draw out of this, but it's a person who lives by the Holy Spirit person who is submitted to the working of God in their lives. A person who is spiritual is one who is guided and directed by the Spirit of God. 
If I'm being guided and directed by anything other than the Spirit of God, you can't call me spiritual. What you can call me is fleshly or worldly, but you can't call me spiritual. And therefore, if I'm not living by the Spirit of God, I am not qualified to reach out to someone who's taken in a transgression. Now, as Paul and Daddy and, and several others said, there's, there's, there's this additional concept when we live by the Spirit of God, we're going to be mature believers. God is going to grow us and mature us through the Spirit of God. And we're going to grow in the knowledge of God's Word, which is going to benefit us in this process of restoration. But this restoration comes from one who is who is very much in tune with God as a result of yielding himself to the Spirit of God in his life. Okay, so the one who is spiritual is the one who opens himself and the Spirit of God works through him. If I don't have the Spirit of God working through me, then when we get on down to the gentleness aspect, it's not going to be there to the degree it has to be if this is going to work out the way it's supposed to. Okay, so then we're relying upon the Spirit of God to direct our thoughts, to influence what takes place when we are reaching out for the purpose of restoration. So then he says he has a responsibility, the person who is spiritual, to restore. To restore. What does it mean, your next question, to restore someone? What does it mean to restore someone? Okay, to love them, to bring them back into fellowship with God. Anybody else have anything else to throw in here? Okay. Okay, you love them, you reach out to them to see repentance. I think of spiritual meaning as one being and perhaps was restored. So to me, restoring is one bringing back to oneness. Okay, bringing back to oneness. You, you're, you're all on the right track here, by the way. I'm not going on for other answers as if to say you're wrong. All of this is, is part of the answer. Did you say something? Just want to get somebody back here? Okay. All right. Repentance. All right. Is there anything else you want to add into this? Because there's something that, that I think is, is really cool that I'd like to throw out at you. Okay. So we're, restoration is getting them to face up, to, to, to own it. I did it. Um, so often, and this is a problem I think a lot, of, a lot of us have anymore, is that we don't want our children to face consequences of what they've done. And so as a result, we make excuses, and they never have to own up to it. They never have to own what they've done. They never have to face the consequences of their actions. And therefore, what we've instituted in their minds is there's no need for God. I don't need God. I don't have to own up to my sin. I don't have to own up to my transgressions. Restoration means that I'm confronted with what I've done wrong. And I see it as God sees it, as sinful and hurtful. I'm confronted with it and I turn from it. I repent of my sin. I turn from my sin to trust Christ only. Okay. There is a, a particular word here uh, bringing to wholeness, bringing to oneness. Uh, as Zeta said, 
In, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, you can jot these references down if you want. Matthew 4, 21 and Mark 1, 19, we find the same word being used to refer to the disciples when they were mending their nets. They weren't mending their nets with the intent of bringing punishment upon them. They just wanted to make them whole again, to make them useful again. You see what I'm saying? They were mending the nets so that they once again would be useful for fishing. It wasn't in their minds to go out and mend the nets so that they could really give them down the road for what they were doing. Okay, this is where the next part comes in. You who are spiritual, restore this one with the spirit of gentleness. Gentleness. Let's go ahead and ask the question then and throw out some answers. Why is the word gentleness important? Well, if you weren't gentle, they might be defensive. Okay, a gentleness disarms people. Uh, Paul said if you're not gentle, you're, you're going to put them on the defense. And so instead of having an opportunity to restore them, you're probably going to, to send them the other direction. Carolyn, did you have the same thing? Okay. Yes. Yeah, there's a restoration you're looking for. He doesn't say in this verse, you who are spiritual, condemn them. But you who are spiritual, restore them. Bring them to wholeness. Okay, so there is, David? That is absolutely the case. That is absolutely the case. And the problem some of us have when we get into this haughty attitude of, of condemnation is that we forget that we're sinners too. We forget that we're not superior in our spirituality. We may be mature. God may have grown us through the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But it doesn't mean that we somehow achieved a level to where we can point our fingers and look down our noses at others. He, he continues the verse by saying, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Keep watch on yourself. Now, backing up, gentleness. Gentleness is a product of the Spirit of God. In fact, you look up the fruit of the Spirit, what do you find? One of those fruits is gentleness. So then you who are spiritual is required to produce this gentleness, the working of the Spirit of God in our lives, to produce this gentleness which is necessary for restoration. So that we're restoring instead of condemning. So that we're lifting up instead of pushing down. Okay? So all of this engages the Spirit of God in our lives. If we don't have the Spirit of God in our lives, it's impossible for us to be spiritual, number one, and because we can't be spiritual, it's impossible, number two, for us to be gentle in the process. Because that's a work of Almighty God in our lives through His Spirit. And so he says, there, there's a problem when we're not filled with the Spirit, when we're not spiritual, when we're approaching this restoration without gentleness. And the problem is that if we're not careful, we get into the same situation ourselves. He says... 
Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. What do you think he's saying there? Let's just spell it out. Rich. Yeah, pride comes before a fall. Okay, so when I set myself up as being spiritually superior, I'm setting myself up for a fall. And God says, you better take note of yourself, and you better understand that you're just as capable of being involved in things like this as anyone else. And therefore, instead of entering into this pridefully, enter into this watchfully, carefully, cautiously, gently, so that we reach out in the spirit of gentleness and not in this superiority complex that some of us seem to think is our spiritual gift. It's Ralph. That's exactly right. Put yourself in the other person's place. In fact, the golden rule applies very well here. Treat others as you want them to treat you. Okay, if the shoe's on the other foot a month from now or a year from now, how do you want people to come to you? How do you want people to respond to you? How do you want people to reach out to you? And that's, that's a really valid point. Okay, that's, that's a really good point. In fact, we're actually even going to talk about that more in verse 3, I believe it is. But what she was saying, I'm starting to lose my voice. What she was saying is that it's so easy for us to forget that we are also sin, sinners, that we also have baggage, that we have issues, that we're also capable. And therefore, with this forgetfulness comes a lack of ability to understand, a lack of ability to reach out with compassion instead of harshness, to reach out with gentleness instead of, instead of what we are prone to do. If I don't have the Spirit of God guiding my life, I can be really judgmental. I can be a person who really looks down my nose and thinks that I have achieved something that, that other people should rise to. And it's generally once I get to that pedestal that God somehow kicks it out from under me and allows me to see, you are such a fool. You really believe that about yourself? You really think yourself to be that good? Well, let me just show you who you really are. I think it's good for us to remind ourselves 
frequently just who we really are. We're good at putting up walls and putting on masks and putting on acts and everybody around us think that we're so spiritual and we're so holy. I think it's good to throw those masks away and just to, to be transparent. To let our kids know, you know what? I'm not perfect. Not perfect. But when I make a mistake, I own it. And I turn to God for His forgiveness and for His mercy on me. And when I see someone else do the same because the Spirit of God resides in me, I'm going to reach out to them with love and with gentleness and with compassion and, and to help them get back to this place of wholeness. And the reason we want to bring people back to the wholeness is, is two-sided. One is their benefit. Because we are so much better off when we're in the place of rightness before God. When we're in a wholeness before God. When we're living according to the Spirit of God, the blessings of God are on our life. When we stray from the work of the Spirit of God in our lives, then all of a sudden we're under the discipline of God. It's a very bad place to be. And so it's for their benefit, but not only for their benefit, it's also the benefit of others. It's for the benefit of the church. Because if we've got a bunch of people who are living in transgression, then the church is not functioning properly. I'm not saying that we're all perfect and therefore we get to do this. This is partly what we're talking about here. This sense of humility, this sense of meekness before God and what's going on. But that we, we continually respond to God on our knees and we cry out for forgiveness or confession of our sin. And we stay in that sense. But when we find someone who hasn't made that move to do that themselves, then we reach out and love them with that. We help them into that process. Because if we don't do it, then there may be others who are going to look down their nose and condemn them. And therefore, instead of drawing them back to Christ, they're going to be, as we were talking about a minute ago, I think it was Paul was saying, they're going to be driving them away. So we who are spiritual, whoever that may be in this room, needs to be aware of what's going on. And they need to reach out and embrace them and shelter them from the harsh realities of what other people want to bring upon them. We reach out with love, with compassion, with gentleness to restore them to the place of wholeness before somebody else has a chance to drive a dagger in their back, spiritually speaking. So we have a responsibility to respond. It's better for the church. It's better for our community. Because our community sees us responding to each other in love. They don't expect that out of a lot of churches. Because what they've seen in the past is that we're the, the first ones to, to jump on and kill our wounded. That's a very sad reality in a lot of churches. May it never be said of us. So it's a better thing for the community. It's a good thing for the community because they see us living out Jesus Christ. Being... Following the example of Christ, reaching out to the hurting, to the desperate. Reaching out to people who desperately need us to love them and bringing them back in instead of pushing them aside and saying, you no longer fit here. You've made a mistake.
If that was the qualification or the requirement, none of us would be here tonight. Any other thoughts on this verse? That is so true. Brings us, if you couldn't hear him, and for those on the internet, I know you couldn't, but it brings us back to a sense of reality. Because we have to understand we live under God's umbrella of protection. And when we get too haughty and we try to rise above in our own minds, above everyone else, and take this superiority thought about ourselves, spiritual superiority then it's easy for God to say, well, you don't fit under this umbrella right now and just move it aside and allow us to fall into the very things that we've taken such a high stand on. Yeah, absolutely. Any th- Yeah, and I think that's a good reminder. It's about to someone that's trying to accuse someone else to simply say, by the grace of God, that could be you or me, except for the grace of God, it's not us. I think that's really important to keep ourselves in that humble position, to remind ourselves continually, I'm not better. Not better. Spirit of God is working in my life and growing me. But uh, if I forget that I need Him working in my life, if I forget how desperately I need God at work in my life, I'm in the same situation. Say to Yeah, Zeta was saying that we're running a race and a responsibility is to keep our eyes on the prize. Keep our eyes focused on the end. And we're to honor God. She made a statement here that really strikes a chord with me. She said that we have a responsibility to please one. And that is God. If you're like me, I'm a people pleaser. It's so easy for me to get trapped in... Uh, trying to please everybody. I've gotten a little better with this over the years, but I'm still very much prone to that, being a people pleaser. I have to continually remind myself, my goal is not to please you. In the process of it, I hope it does. I hope we're all on the same page. We're unified enough that we're working the same direction. But my goal is to please God. And in the process of that, if it does or it doesn't, that should not affect me. What should affect me is that in love, I'm working to please God. 
And my, my heart and my thoughts are set on Him. So that if you come along beside me, that's wonderful. If you don't, if you don't like it, you, you're going to talk about me, criticize me, whatever. That really shouldn't have any effect on me any, either. Because my goal is not to please people. My goal is to please God. That's been a hard, hard lesson for me. I'm still, still learning that one. 